You're listening to the Growth Exponential Podcast. I'm your host, Bradley Caro Cook. Today, we're joined by Marcel Odina from Barcelona, Spain. He's the director of Mosaica, whose mission is to promote all facets of Jewish culture in Barcelona and its surroundings, therefore engaging Jews and familiarizing non-Jews with that aspect of their heritage. Marcel, welcome. Hi, Bradley. Uh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's great to have you. You're actually the first person I've ever interviewed from Barcelona. So I'm excited to learn more about Mosaica. Could you share with us at a high level about your organization? Right. So we are a Jewish secular cultural nonprofit whose mission is basically to promote and to show to people what a Jewish culture is. We want people in Spain who have a pretty distorted idea of what Judaism and what Jews are, to have a more concrete idea, something that really comes from Jews for ourselves to actually be able to show to people what is Jewish culture, what part it is played in the heritage and and in the culture itself of this area and in all of Europe. So in a sense, it's a form of public diplomacy that we're doing. We want to be present in Barcelona and it's an surrounding area. We want to be noisy. We want people here to take notice of the fact that Jews exist. They're real. As an American, it might sound strange to you because for people in the U.S., it's pretty self-evident, you know, Jews are very present. They're here in Spain, not so much. It's people have a notion that Jews are, in a sense, something that belongs to the Middle Ages and sort of an extinct species, when it's not really the case. There are Jews living in Spain right now and in Barcelona, and we want people to not forget that fact. We want them to not be oblivious to it, and we also want them to enjoy the presence of Jewish culture and of Jews and become sort of immersed into the social fabric of our city, of our region, etc. That's remarkable. Yeah, because Spanish Jewry was huge in the 1400s. I mean, I know that my family left in the 1490s is when with with everyone else. And since then, there hasn't been a major insurgence or return of Jewish people back to Spain. But there's a lot of remnants, I'd imagine. Museum, not museums, but synagogues, Jewish life is something people are unaware of. What was it about you and your childhood? And what brought you to the point where you wanted to create Mosaica? Well, I only really knew I wanted to be part of Mosaica possibly three years ago. I definitely joined about two years ago, and I had a bit of a zigzagging path to get to where I am. I'll just say that when I finished high school, I started uh, studying biology. So it was really not a clear-cut way to get uh, where I am now. I was very much involved in Jewish activity from my childhood. Ever since I went to a Jewish school in New York, in fact, uh, Rodef Shalom, for two years uh, as a kid. And afterwards, having come back to Spain, I was going to Sunday school, participating in summer camps, becoming very involved in Jewish life in my own way. Uh, I was never very much religious, but I did participate in the whole noir lifestyle uh, pretty intensely. But afterwards, when it came time for university, I started biology, 
wasn't really my thing. So I left that and eventually started international relations, during which time I wasn't very much involved in Jewish uh, activity or doing any form of Jewish activism. That started to change when shortly after finishing university, for strange reasons, I ended up studying for a year in the Paideia Institute of uh, Jewish Studies in Stockholm. It was more a matter of one day I visited the dean of students of that institution, knew about me, she kind of grabbed me and simultaneously interviewed me as if I had applied and convinced me to apply. I wasn't really sure what to do next year, so I decided to go for it. The experience, quite frankly, was, I have to say, it's uh, transformative. I have very positive things to say about that institution and the one-year program that I did there of uh, intensive Jewish studies. It was very intensive, very in-depth. It was uh, academic, but at the same time meaningful. And the people I was surrounded with were some amazing, brilliant minds and really great human beings. So that got me once again interested and passionate about a form of Judaism that I really didn't know about because it's one thing when you're doing youth movement work where it's more immediate, it's more related to community life, and uh, until I had gone to Paideia, I didn't really discover the depth of Jewish culture, of Jewish texts, of Jewish thought, of Jewish tradition, how deep it really went. I started getting into Talmud, into all kinds of Jewish textual knowledge, which I was completely unaware of before. And that really rekindled a passion for me in engaging with Judaism. Nevertheless, after that, I continued on the international relations path. I started working for a local public diplomacy organization in uh, Catalonia called Diplocat, which does public diplomacy. It promotes Catalonia to foreign audiences. That ended after it uh, closed due to the whole politics that are, have been going on in Spain. Long and fascinating story, but I'm not going to get into now. And uh, eventually I worked for another Catalan organization, this time a nonprofit that promotes Catalan culture. So I was involved in the cultural sector and the whole promoting culture in Catalonia. When I began to get involved as a volunteer in Mosaica, it had been founded some time ago, I think seven years before, by a few of my friends that I had in the youth movement and Sunday school, which I hadn't been involved in myself because I had spent a lot of time abroad. But when I came back to Barcelona, I didn't mention that I, in between all this, I spent six months in Israel learning Arabic and Hebrew, after which I returned to Barcelona. And I had a conversation with some of my friends who were involved in Mosaic. I was very interested in the kind of work that they were doing in this open, and outward-looking mentality towards Judaism. And one day I had a meetup with them and they told me they were starting a project of Jewish-Muslim intercultural dialogue. And as I had been studying Arabic, I had uh, started to learn a lot more about the Muslim culture and I was uh, more engaged with my Judaism. I said, hey, this is a project I'm very interested in. I'd like, if you're going to do something, I'd like to participate. My idea was as, you know, show up if they organize a seminar or something. But my friend understood that as like being the creator of this project. So I ended up unknowingly being the founder of Salam Shalom Barcelona, which is a Jewish Muslim intercultural organization here in Barcelona, which is part of Mosaica. And from there, I got involved in volunteering for Mosaica very intensely for about two years. And just recently, a few months ago, 
I finished my job at that uh, last cultural, the Catalan cultural NGO that I mentioned, the Onion Cultural. And Mosaica managed to grow to the point where we have the budget to afford one person's salary. So I stepped in as the first full-time position at Mosaica and became the director. And I've been in this position since around September. And here I am. Wow, that's amazing. Congratulations. What a great way to like enhance life overall in Barcelona and to bring in an awareness. What type of activities are you doing? Is Mosaica doing in Barcelona? So it's really broad. Uh, the truth is Mosaica began as a magazine, as a Jewish cultural magazine, almost a fanzine. So imagine the idea of a bunch of uh, friends meet up at one of their house and they have a bottle of wine and they say, oh, this is such an interesting, so they talk about Jewish subjects that they like and oh, that's so cool. I'm going to write in a few words about this. I'm going to write an article about that. I'm going to write a story, put it all together, throw it out. And that's what it was for some time. But it started to gain traction. More people came in. And maybe two years ago, something amazing happened. We got an offer from a local couple, the wife being Jewish, who own a house in the Jewish quarter of Barcelona, the old medieval Jewish quarter of Barcelona. This house belonged to a Jewish family and is actually, we believe it to be the oldest house in all of Barcelona. And at that point, we were still a, basically a magazine with some a few other projects like the Jewish Muslim Cultural Initiative that I mentioned. And they came to us and said, do you want to rent this space from us? We give you a basically almost for free, a very, very affordable price. Still, it, it's a massive space. And for us, it was way beyond our budget. But the people who were there then said, yes, of course, instead of the sensible thing, which would be, you know, we can't afford it. But eventually they managed to get a bit of a starter budget. And we've been managing this cultural center ever since. And since then, the kind of activity that we've done has changed drastically. So as I mentioned, we had the magazine, then this uh, Jewish Muslim intercultural initiative, which does uh, events every once in a while. We started four years ago a literature festival called the uh, Sefer in Barcelona. Next year, we're going to be having our fifth edition. And now that we're in the center, we host uh, regular conferences, several a month. We do concerts. We do guided tours. We have a project that is connected to food. So two, two people, one of which is a Mexican from a Syrian background, and another one is Australian from a Polish background, both Jewish. They offer dinners to guests with that mix different culinary traditions within uh, Judaism. And it's really, really great, a great experience. It's, I, I shouldn't say this, but it's one of my favorite projects from what we're doing, basically because it involves food. So that there's my bias. And the new things are coming up all the time. We just started a stand-up comedy uh, project where we do stand-up comedy events semi-regularly. New things come up all the time. We're starting to move also into education which is something that is a very big project, something that I'm personally very excited about. We want to go to schools, talk to school children at that age where they still don't have a clear image of what Jews are formed in their heads, where the stereotypes haven't really gotten to them yet, and be the ones will introduce them to what Jews and what Judaism and Jewishness is. There's also an idea to start a podcast, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, 
People come to us a lot of the time offering, hey, this is something I'd like to do, want me, want to work with me. So it's really hard to, this is, the, so what I mentioned is what we've been doing up until now, what we'll be doing in the future is very hard to say because new projects come up all the time. That's remarkable. And with so many different projects and future projects, like how do you measure success? Our hope is to bring in new people all the time. So we really want to have a diverse audience. It's very easy to fall into, you do a lot of events and you have a group of people that comes and that's great and we love to create community. But for on one side, there are Jewish communities already and communities centered around Judaism. And we are one of those. And we also want to be one that can encompass all of the ones that exist. But at the same time, we don't want to just have our group of people. We want to bring in new people constantly. We want to do events where a kind of audience that didn't come, weren't interested in Jewishness or Jewish culture, comes to this because it's an aspect that they're interested in. It has a connection to Judaism. So we're talking about Jewish anarchists in the Civil War. I don't know. People who are, you know, very left-wing and are into anarchism and the history of political movements, for example, come to this, even though they're not necessarily into Judaism, and then they discover the other things that we do. So what we really look for is to expand our audience, really making Judaism visible. I think an example that I use is kind of silly, but it, it helps get the idea. There's this, uh, what's the name of the group? Uh, the Black Eyed Peas. They had this song a long time ago. Now I'm kind of showing my age a bit. I got a feeling, and at one point in the song, they start saying Mazel Tov and L'chaim and all that, which is, for me as a European, is very strange because the fact that a non-Jewish group to a non-Jewish audience in the United States can put that out and have people just recognize the reference is insane to me because something like that, saying Mazel Tov, you get no reaction from anyone who's not Jewish here in Spain. And since we, we want to get to that, we want to have people, uh, let people in and make people here in Spain have a notion of what it is, what Judaism is. So really is to have the widest and most diverse audience as possible. That's amazing. I love it. And I love what the future holds. I was recently in Barcelona and there's definitely such a need for more awareness and building. How do people find you? Well, a lot of people just find us from walking through the street, I have to say. And this is something that we're going to have more of as we are looking to open our doors more often and be more visible within the street itself. But obviously, the great majority of the people find, can find us online. The most reliable way is those who sign up to our newsletter, which we put out uh, once a month. People can get an email from info at mosaica.es or just writing to us and we can add them to our newsletter. And we're also on several social media. We're on Facebook as uh, Revista Mosaica, Twitter as at Mosaica BCN, and on Instagram as at Mosaica Magazine. And anyone who's in the neighborhood can come and visit us at uh, Salomó Benadret number six, very close to the town hall and the Catalan government offices. Right it's amazing that you're so visible and you're out there. Mm -hmm. What are ways that our listeners can help you and help Mosaica? So obviously with nonprofit, uh, any kind of donation, any kind of 
contribution that someone can make makes a huge difference. We always work on a very tight budget. We look a lot bigger than we really are because people come to our center and they see like this big five-story medieval building and they think, wow, these guys must be loaded. Not really the case. We just manage day by day, kind of throwing water out of the boat, so to speak. So anything that people can contribute, of course, will be very appreciated, but it's not just limited to that because uh, as I mentioned, our goal, our objective is to be visible, is to spread the word, so to speak. So if you can share what we do, share what we are to other people, any, uh, any form of just letting the world know that we exist, not just people in Barcelona, if people in the US or in Canada or the UK or Israel or anywhere in the world know about us and are interested in what we do. And we're also an organization that is really interested in doing joint projects and bringing people in from other parts of the world, showing people other parts of Judaism, not just the one that's in Spain or in Barcelona, but everywhere. And we're really, we have been looking to partner with a lot of people and we have partnered with people in say the Netherlands, for example, France, etc. So offering for, I'd like to do a project with you. This is something that I like about Jewish culture or something that I can do and something I'd like to share. Contribution to the magazine, which we're still putting out. There's something I want to talk about. We reach a pretty wide audience that's not just in Barcelona because we're one of the few cultural magazines in Spanish language, mostly in Spanish language. We also write in Catalan, sometimes in English, and in some other languages, but we're mostly in Spanish. And in that sense, we also have an audience in, uh, in Latin America. So wanting to contribute uh, knowledge or writing, wanting to uh, do joint projects, spreading the word, the word very important. And any contribution that anyone might want to make is very, very, very much appreciated. That's amazing. Well, I thank you so much for all of the good that you're doing. And I want to thank you for joining us on the Growth Exponential podcast and wish you, thank you for having tremendous me. success in all your worthy endeavors. Great. Thank you so much, Bradley. You've been listening to the Growth Exponential Podcast. If you know an executive director or nonprofit professional that you think I should interview, shoot me an email at bradley at growthexponential.org.